Good morning, Memphis, and welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. It's a pleasure once again to be with you. My apologies for not having a show out yesterday. I was a bit under the weather, but now back in the saddle. Feeling kind of better, but I'm doing all right enough to certainly uh, be happy enough to get this podcast out, as I always love doing wherever you are, wherever you are listening. Hope you had a great week. You're having a good start to your weekend, and we're going to dive right into what should be an exciting bit of action tonight for the Grizzlies as they head to New Orleans, and obviously talking about the week that was here for the Grizzlies. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC. You can find the podcast wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, wherever you choose to listen, we will be there with Locked on Grizzlies. And we ask that you listen, review, describe, or subscribe. Let us know what you feel. Obviously, we always want to make sure that our content is relevant to our listeners' purposes. In today's episode, we'll talk about the week that was a very polarizing week for the Memphis Grizzlies. In the second segment, I'll go a little bit deeper and show as to why this week is a microcosm of the week itself and why in Memphis right now truly it is the best of times and the worst of times when it comes to the Grizzlies. And then the third segment, we'll dive deep into what chances the Grizzlies have tonight, how they can win, and how they can get another, you know, get back on the right track in another needed situation where they really could use another victory in the division matchup against the New Orleans Pelicans. So, you know, this week, the Grizzlies, obviously, a week ago, actually, coming off, um, you know, a 12-day hiatus in which they had had five games off, five games postponed due to the influence of COVID-19. Just unfortunate, you know, occurrence, you know, but as we, you know, have seen this week, you know, it seems like that the NBA has a different protocol when it comes to different situations, different teams, whatever it may be, and it just, it's getting a bit annoying, to be honest with you, that the NBA could not do a better job of getting a uniform protocol in place, no matter what team it is, getting some type of uniformity going on when it comes to COVID-19. But regardless of that, it's the situation that it is. And so the Grizzlies were not playing for 12 days. They had five games postponed, but they came back last Saturday and, and, and last Saturday and last Monday arguably were the two most complete games this Grizzlies team had played. The offense was absolutely on fire, for especially from three, just a perfect combination of inside-outside basketball. The defense was still having its success. This Grizzlies team truly looked like a playoff contender and really looked like that they had made some needed adjustments. The big thing that stood out was the continued and improved shooting from players such as DeAnthony Melton, Gorgie Dang, Desmond Bain. It looked like Tyus Jones was starting to find his group. Tyus Jones Jones, there was a player of the week for Memphis. I would give it to Tyus Jones just because of how well he played. And Brandon Clark also as well was finding his groove. The Grizzlies supporting cast members were really starting to find their groove. But unfortunately, the Grizzlies, you know, while they were able to extend their winning streak to um, seven games um, after the two victories in San Antonio, they unfortunately on the third game of a four-night um, stretch, they just didn't have it against Indiana. And John Morant and others were the... the, the just straightforward. They just didn't have it. And they didn't say that was an excuse. They just wanted it to be a reason. And it makes sense. As we mentioned, sometimes there are schedule losses. Sometimes the schedule is just has too many games, you know, back to back to back. And unfortunately, you just lose energy and you don't have what you need, especially when you're facing a talented team on the road like the Grizzlies did against Indiana. Well, the hope was, was that they would get back on track once they came back to Memphis 
and played the Rockets on Thursday night, especially with the Rockets being without Victor Oladipo. And though we unfortunately did not want this occurrence to happen at all, another thing that really played into the Grizzlies' favor was that Christian Wood, who has arguably, arguably been playing like an all-star for Houston, he only made 20, played 20 minutes Thursday night due to an unfortunate ankle injury. We certainly hope the news surrounding him is as good as possible going forward. But unfortunately, despite all those positives going into the equation for the Grizzlies on Thursday night, they just didn't have it. Once again, Thursday night, the Grizzlies defense, especially the perimeter defense, just could not get the stops that they needed to, could not keep the shots for falling for the Rockets. Overall, the Rockets were able to shoot 19 of 45 from beyond the arc. And and every time the Grizzlies made any type of run to get within 13 or 15, the Rockets would sit there and nail one or two more threes. It would, the, the, the difference really in the game was found in the fact that the Rockets starters made 12 threes to the Grizzlies starters three threes. Whenever the, be, whenever the um, supposed best talents were on the court with the Rockets versus the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies were such at such a disadvantage. They could could not find their stroke, and that unfortunately just led to the Rockets being able to pull ahead and maintain the lead. Now, the Grizzlies had several things about their game go in their favor on Thursday night. They started off very aggressive. I believe that at one point, the, the amount of offensive rebounds compared between the two teams, I think well into the second quarter, was like five or six offensive rebounds for the Grizzlies versus none for the Rockets. So the Grizzlies did get off to a good start. It's just unfortunately within that last three or four minutes, the Grizzlies could not stop the Rockets from being able to score. And it wasn't just the Rockets scoring from three. It was also them scoring on the end one opportunities. It was also them being able to make passes. Unfortunately, the Grizzlies also had you know a, a bit of a, a bad luck when it came to their shots not falling, but also them not being able to take care of the basketball. Now, as I had mentioned, and we'll get into this in the second segment in a bit, the Grizzlies starters certainly did struggle, but that also obviously occurred when it came to John Morant. A big development for John Morant from Thursday night is that he had 15 points and only four assists. What that means is, is that basically John Morant was good for 25 points directly produced by him. I can tell you this right now, and this is not anything towards John Morant, it's just a natural understanding. It's just a logical truth about this team. There are going to be times when good teams are going to be able to you know, limit John Morant. And we're starting to see that a little bit. We're starting to see that teams are starting to adjust to John Morant and they're making it harder for him to score. But if that occurs and John Morant is limited to only producing like under 30 points when it comes to his direct ability to produce offense for the Grizzlies, right now as they're constructed, this Grizzlies team is going to struggle to score. And the byproduct of that is, is they're going to find it's going to be hard for them to win. If they're not overcome compensating for John Morant's um, you know, limitations in producing offense himself, they're going to have a hard time winning because right now they don't have any of their other starters outside of, to an extent, Brandon Clark really being a consistent scoring option. Both Kyle Anderson and Dylan Brooks, despite a few games here and there, both have uh, just in all honesty struggled offensively um, over the past month. And so that really puts this Grizzlies team in a bind when it comes to the starting lineups because if John Morant is not producing, they have have a very hard time keeping up with the best players on the other team. So overall, just a, a disappointing effort on, on, on Thursday night. And you know, it is what it is. Some shots were just not falling. You know, at 
one thing that also has stood out about this Grizzlies team is, that, you know, again, they're called bunnies. Well, the bunnies have not been beneficial for the Grizzlies this year. They just have not been able to have some of these shots close to the basket fall. And that's why it's a bit, you know, frustrating as far as the offense goes. And that's why Taylor Jenkins has been so adamant about saying, listen, you know, we feel that the looks that we're getting are good. The shots are just not falling. And I agree with him. You know, it seemed like that they were just starting to fall at once against San Antonio. And then here we go against Houston. We're right back to them not falling. I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm not saying that Houston did not earn their victory and that Houston did not outplay us. They certainly did. But one thing that is certainly there about this Grizzlies team is that shots simply aren't falling. For instance, when it comes to Tyus Jones, I mentioned on the show on Thursday, he leads the league in pull-up field goal percentage or did at least going into the game on Thursday night, but he was only shooting 25% from three. The thing is, is that he was getting his shots. He himself said that he felt he was getting his shots. They just were not falling. And so it just seems like the Grizzlies that were, uh, that were already now of a fourth of the way into the season, they certainly are still trying to find their group, trying to consistently find ways for one way or another for their shots to fall. And so while that is not a cover for the obvious flaws that are with this team right now. And I don't mean to be negative. It's just that this is going to be the expected kind of course this Grizzlies team is going to take. They're consistently more than likely going to be competitive. In 80% of their games, they're going to be competitive. But you're also going to find games in which they definitely are at their best and they're able to play at just a, you know an extremely high level, while you're also going to find games in which they're at their worst. And if the shots are not falling and if John Morant's not producing, this team right now just does not have the talents to overcome that. It's it's the truth. It's not saying they can't find ways to win if Jaw's not scoring. I mean, that's been the case. They've been able to have a lot of success since he came back from his ankle injury without him just over or taking over games when it comes to scoring. But if he's being limited when it comes to his scoring ability, plus the ability to pass to set up his teammates, it's going to be hard for this Grizzlies team to consistently find ways to win if they're not overcompensating in some other way, like hitting threes or shooting or getting a lot of points in the paint, whatever it may be. So it's just an expectation when it comes from a roster like the Grizzlies are set up. Again, there are many different ways in which this Grizzlies team can win, but they also need to have multiple strengths of theirs working on any given night for them to have the best chance to get a victory. But that's the thing about it, is that this week was truly a microcosm. It was just a small picture of a bigger overall trend that we're seeing in Memphis, both for a positive and a negative. I'm going to go into detail as to why it's both the best of times and worst of times when it comes to the Grizzlies. Day is almost here. The most exciting sports day, perhaps, on the, especially on the calendar, but perhaps in the U.S. and the world, is Super Bowl Sunday, and that is tomorrow, pitting the Kansas City Chiefs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you're someone like me, it's always one of the most fun times of the year, getting to watch a great matchup, the commercials, the festivities, whatever it may be. But for many others, it's a great day to also add to their fun by profiting a little bit, and that's when it comes to betting. But the thing about it is, is that even if this is the last game of football for a while, there are plenty of other sports out there beyond tomorrow. Basketball, hockey, whatever sport you may follow, whatever athletes you may follow, there's a great way for you to be able to have fun, and that's also putting a little money on the line if you like to profit. Well, there's only one place that has you covered for Super Bowl Sunday and beyond, and one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. 
Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at BetOnline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code locked on for your sign up bonus. Hashtag BetOnline. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. Coming up next week here at Locked On Grizzlies, a great guest will be joining us. He is from GBB, and he also is known as Mr. Hustle for the wonderful coverage that he offers when it comes to the Memphis Hustle. Brandon Abraham will talk with us in what is setting up to be a very exciting season when it comes to the Memphis Hustle. Now, I understand it's the G League. The overall talent may not be the same that it is in the NBA, but with some schedule opportunities that really are lead to some exciting games as well as a development towards the end of this week that has allowed for this roster to become much more exciting. Me and Brandon will break it all down. So again, Peter Peter Abraham, Brandon Abraham will be joining me from Grizzly Bear Blues to discuss all things Memphis Hustle as their season gets started on Wednesday of this week. So if you're a big literary person like I am, I'm not that big, but I do like to read, one of the most famous lines in the history of literature is the best of time it, it is it was the best of times and the worst of times. Of course, it is the opening line from the literary classic that is known as the Tale of Two Cities. Now, it was one of those things to where in school when I had to read it, yes, I read it because it was an assignment. I had to read it because, you know, it was furthering my education in, in my English class. But the thing was is that it absolutely was a, a, a wonderful book. I thoroughly enjoyed every moment that I got to read that book because of how much history was truly involved. Well, I bring that up because right now, it's a great way to describe the Memphis Grizzlies. It's both truly a best of times and worst of times scenario for the Grizzlies. Now, I'll stop being cryptic and just get right to the point. The reason why it's the best of times and worst of times is because right now, the Grizzlies literally are featuring the best bench in the NBA. Stop me if you've heard that before, but right now, there's an e- this the, the Grizzlies reserve slash bench unit is making an even bigger case for them to be the best unit in the NBA than they did last year when we all talked about just how much of an advantage the Grizzlies reserve unit was. But at the same time, while the Grizzlies bench is performing better than any other bench in the NBA, the Grizzlies starting lineup is producing worse than any other lineup in the NBA. And it makes sense as well. You've got several players in the Grizzlies starting lineup right now who are probably playing at more expanded roles. I mean, literally, without Jonas Valanciunas, the Grizzlies' most frequent starting lineup over the past month has arguably featured John Morant and four players who likely are at their best off the bench. That's nothing against Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark, Kyle Anderson, and and um, Dylan Brooks, but there's just over there's there's starting to be enough data, enough analysis to where those type of talents are best in reserve roles or as role players. Well the thing about it is this is that it's not just me saying that. There are statistics out there that truly do show that this is the case. For so for instance, John Morant got injured in the third game of the season against the Brooklyn Nets. You know, he played um about um 15 minutes, I want to say, in that game, uh, 12 to 15 minutes, um, as he got injured in the second quarter. Well, since that game, which was on December 28th, it was the third game of the Grizzlies season, the Grizzlies, since December 29th, have played in 14 games. Obviously, you have had six games that have been canceled due to the impact of COVID-19. But since that time frame, 
here is where the Grizzlies starters rank as far as some you know specific but significant statistics when it comes to their offense production. They rank last in the league in points per game, last in free throw attempts per game. So wherever you and also last in three-point field goal percentage. So the, any different way you can think of in which this Grizzlies team can score, they right now are the worst in the NBA at points per game, in terms of shooting the three per game, and in terms of their rate of getting to the free throw line. And that has led to them also being 25th in field goal percentage. There's just no way right now in which the Grizzlies starting lineup has a, a way to score without being at a true disadvantage. And again, a big part of that is because of the talents that they have been missing. They've been without Jonas. They've been without Justice. They've been without Jaron for, for an extended time, you know, especially Jonas and, or excuse me, Jaron and Justice, you know, for the entire year. And it just goes to show that when they're playing an opposing team's best talents, no matter how good or bad that other team may be, the Grizzlies talents that they're starting right now are are just at a disadvantage due to the limitations of their overall talent, since a lot of them are meant to be on the bench for a playoff hopeful. But the great thing is, is that even though our starters have been performing you know, pretty negatively, our bench, thankfully, has been there to pick them up. Ever since December 29th, the Grizzlies bench leads the league's reserve units in points per game, assists per game, field goal percentage, and three-point and three field goal percentage. Now, the thing about it is, is the reason why it's the best of times at worst of times is because, as you can see, the Grizzlies starters literally are the worst, arguably the worst starting unit in the NBA. I think it goes without saying that the Grizzlies bench unit right now, despite not having three or four of their best talents available off the bench, I would say right now it's clear that the NBA's best bench unit, a big reason why, of course, is the improved play of Tyus Jones as well as the emerging you know, elite and consistent shooting from players like DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain, and Gorgie Dang. So the thing about it is, is that when you're this polarizing, when, when, you, when, when your starters are on the court, you perform like the worst team in the NBA, and when your bench unit is on the court, you perform like the best team in the NBA, you have a pretty average team. One that can stay competitive, that but also is going to be polarizing, in which they'll stay in games, but if their starters are not performing, they have very little room for error, and it's really hard for them to be able to win a game unless in some way, shape, or form, they are performing very well in one aspect or another. Either for the Grizzlies, that's how they're shooting the ball well, creating turnovers, getting stops, whatever it may be. But now, as far as the team units themselves, it's clear as to why the starters are the worst in the league, you know, over the past month and the bench unit or five weeks and the bench unit has been the best. But it really also comes down to a few players, especially Kyle Anderson and Dylan Brooks. Ever since December 29th, when the Grizzlies, you know, lost John Morant, both Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson have really struggled when it comes to shooting from the field. Overall, they have averaged nearly 24 shots per game. But the problem is, is that Kyle Anderson is shooting 40% from the field, while Dylan Brooks is shooting 37.3%. Dylan Brooks is averaging three or is averaging six three-point attempts per night, making 1.8 of them, but is only shooting 29% from three. Kyle Anderson is averaging nearly three and a half threes per game, making only one of them per game, though, and he's shooting 32% from three. Brandon Clark is shooting two threes a game and is shooting 28.6% from three. So the problem is the reason why this Grizzlies team is not finding a lot of success through its starting unit is that three the three the three players who over that who over this time frame um, three of the four players who over this time frame have led the Grizzlies in shot attempts per game 
none of them are shooting anywhere close to what is considered a good field goal percentage. As a matter of fact, each of them is significant, I mean, compared to where they could be. Brandon Clark is shooting 50% from the field, but that's not obviously anywhere close to what he was doing last year. So another reason why the, this Grizzlies starting unit has struggled so much is because of the fact that its main contributors are struggling themselves from the field. And we're not talking about just slightly below average. They're struggling mightily. But again, once again, thankfully on the bench unit, You've got players who probably are playing over their true talent level. Now, I'm convinced Desmond Bain's going to shoot 50% from three this year. But players such as DeAnthony Melton, players such as um, uh, Gorgie Dang, you know, they're probably right now shooting a bit better than they usually would over a long stretch. But thankfully, it's coming at the right time. When this Grizzlies starting lineup may be struggling, the bench is certainly supporting them. So a big reason as to why you saw the week that you saw last week when it comes to the Grizzlies is that with how bad right now their starting unit is, if that starting lineup is not producing, this Grizzlies team has a good chance of getting blown out if they're not overcompensating or executing better than they normally would in another area. But one thing that is fortunate is that they typically are able to maintain a high floor due to how well their bench is playing. Hopefully, after the last two games, coming into tonight's game versus the New Orleans Pelicans, Taylor Jenkins has really sat down and been able to find a way to make the starters more consistent. If the scoring is not there as they might like for it to be, finding ways to make the scoring be there, whether it be through the playmaking of jaw, whether it be through ball movement, whatever it may be, the hope is, is that this Grizzly starting unit can really find a way to function here in the near future. And that needs to start tonight because despite the New Orleans Pelicans being 9-12 and on the season, they have been performing a bit better with a few of their players who have really stepped up as of late. It's going to be another key division matchup for the Grizzlies. Here in a second, I'm going to break it down and talk about ways in which the Grizzlies can find an advantage to hopefully get a needed victory tonight on the road in New Orleans. You heard me say it all year long in 2020, the great product that's a benefit to your day known as Built Bar. For many of us who are trying to get healthier when it comes to 2021, Built Bar is a great addition to your day because it's a small commitment that could provide big health benefits. And the great thing is, is that it's a protein bar that legitimately tastes like a candy bar. Whether you have it in the morning for breakfast, afternoon as a snack, before or after a workout, or listening, or while you're listening to your favorite Locked On Podcast Network show, Bill Bar is going to be a great addition to your day. And the great thing about it is, is that if you go to BillBar.com, you're going to have 18 different flavors that you could choose from as far as whatever flavor you might like. There's a good chance it's going to be there. But also, if you go to BillBar.com and you put in the promo code Locked On right now, you'll get 20% off your next order from Bill Bar. That's 20% off your next order from Bill Bar. But I can tell you this, once you make Bill Bar a part of your day, it's going to be there to stay. You can go to BillBar.com, put in the promo code Locked On, and get 20% off your next order from Bill Bar. The new year is in full swing, but of course that also means that there's a lot of potential changes when it comes to the weather since it is spring. And for many of us, while we may not be driving much, when we do drive, the elements certainly could put could put some wear and tear on our car and even lead to some needed repairs. Well, I can't tell you how to repair your car. I can't tell you where to go to get the car parts that you need, and that's rockauto.com for a variety of different reasons. For one, rockauto.com is very easy to use. Within a few clicks of the button, you'll likely find what you need. 
need, and it's likely that they're going to have what you need, regardless of the parts that you need to order or the make and model that you have, rockauto.com is the place to go. No matter if you do your own repairs, do repairs for others, or need others to do repairs for you, rockauto.com is very economically efficient. They are a family-owned business that has been in business for over 20 years, so they know that car parts needed typically fall outside of someone's um, budget. And if that's the case, they try to be economically feasible as possible. Again, if you go to rockauto.com, let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Tomorrow on Locked On NBA, on Fridays on Locked On NBA, join Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers and Adam Mears, uh, Mears of Locked On Nuggets for a wrap-up of the biggest stories around the league. Anthony and Adam bring you game recaps, weekend previews, and a weekly NBA power ranking you can't miss. Subscribe to Locked On NBA Podcast today wherever you get your podcasts. So one of the best new rivalries in the league starts tonight, resumes tonight, um, after uh, six months uh, of not being able to see the really fun and, and friendly matchup, rivalry, if you will, that is between John Morant and um, Zion Williamson, between the Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pelicans. That gets going back tonight as the Grizzlies head to face the Pelicans at 8, 8 o'clock tonight, pitting the number one overall pick in the 2019 draft in Zion Williamson against the number two pick in John Morant. Now, the thing about it is this is that if you look at the Grizzlies and the Pelicans over the past, you know, since the beginning of last year, obviously I would think it would be easy to say that the Grizzlies have certainly, you know, exceeded expectations while the Pelicans have, you know, fairly, you know, not met expectations. Now, on the Pelicans, they had a big reason why is due to the lack of having Zion Williamson last year. But once again, the Pelicans are getting off to a slow start this year, despite great efforts from Zion Williamson. Right now, the Pelicans stand at 9-12. and 12. Um, they, A lot of their struggles have been you know, in the fact that they're just having a hard time scoring points. They have not been very good at being able to score the basketball on a consistent basis. But the thing is, is that they have had some success when it comes to you know, defending the perimeter. Like the Grizzlies, this, team, this Pelicans team is a lot better inside the arc than they are outside the arc, and we'll get into that in just a second. But when it comes to the Pelicans, obviously their success starts with the production of both um, uh, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Now, it's not just those two. You know, you've got other supporting cast members, you know, like Steven Adams, like Lonzo Ball, like Eric Bledsoe. Though none of those players are really stepping up so far and, and delivering on a consistent basis to be a significant contributor. Zion and Brandon Ingram are both carrying their own. So far this year, Zion Williamson is averaging 23.5 uh, points per game, 7.4 rebounds, 2.6 assists on nearly 60% shooting. He's not shooting, you know, that many threes. And he has his struggles from the free throw line, but he's getting to the line nearly seven and a half times per game. He truly is showing that he is one of the better bets for 20 to 25 points a night in the NBA. And of course, Brandon Ingram is having success as well. Going along with five rebounds, four assists, he's averaging 23.7 points. He also is shooting nearly 40, uh, he's shooting 46.5% from field on nearly 18 attempts per game and is making nearly two and a half threes per game while shooting 38% from three. He's showing, one thing that Ingram is really showing in the first year of the big commitment that the Pelicans made for him in the offseason, you know, one thing, question that I had for him is how would he be able to adapt? Would he be able to maintain the same ability to be an all-star level type player when Zion came back? Well, he clearly has shown 
that is the case. But with this Pelicans team, overall, it's been a bit of a struggle. And the reason why that is, is just because they have not been able to both score and get stops on a consistent basis. But the thing is, is that that does not mean that they don't have the strengths of their game. And that really stands out when it comes to their ability to get to the rim and finish at the rim. Now, the thing about it is, is that their ability to get to the rim is one thing. Their ability to finish at the rim is another. They've certainly struggled with the latter. But the thing is, is that for this Pelicans team, they're right now 7th in the league in points in the paint and 5th in the league in terms of shots at the rim. Whenever they get to, they also get to the line at a top 5 rate in the league. So they're going to have plenty of opportunities to score. They value high percentage opportunities because of the type of talent that they have on their team. And as we've discussed when it comes to the Grizzlies, a big benefit for the Grizzlies this year when they have been winning is they have gotten the extra possessions on a nightly basis to really make the difference, whether it be through turnovers, whether it be through you know getting rebounds consistently, whatever it may be, that is something that the Pelicans also excel out and excel at is limiting the um, extra opportunities for their opponents while also finding ways to get their own opportunities. So that's something that's certainly going to have to stand out for Memphis. But a few ways in which Memphis can find success tonight, of course, you know, it begins with Ja Morant. And the thing that I'll say is this, is that when it comes to Ja, you know, it really is, you know, hard not to see that this could be another tough night for Morant with how good this Pelicans team is in the lane. You know, that's the thing that it seems that a lot of teams are doing right now. They're packing the paint with Jaw. They're layering their defense to keep him from getting to the to, to the rim. They're saying if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to do it from the outside. So a big thing that Morant's going to have to figure out how to do tonight is find his shooting stroke and hopefully make a three or a few mid-range shots or, you know, work his floater to really start to loosen up the defense. But another way in which the Grizzlies really could find benefit is for them to get their shooting stroke going early and often. And the reason why I say that is because so far this year, the New Orleans Pelicans are both 30th in the league in terms of the amount of three-pointers that they allow to be made by their opposition, and they're also 30th in the league in the amount of three-pointers that they allow to be attempted by their opposition. And the thing is, is that they're also 21st in three-point field goal percentage. You can honestly say, if there is one team in the NBA right now that is most negatively impacted by their team shooting the three, or their opponent shooting the three, it is the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, the reason why that is significant is because the Grizzlies themselves are kind of middle of the pack when it comes to limiting three-point attempts. They've been average to above average this year in terms of li- in limiting their opposition from hitting the three. That is a big difference for the Grizzlies and the Pelicans for a couple of reasons. Number one, both of these teams are towards the bottom of the league when it comes to their three-point shooting, especially when it comes to the three-point shooting of their starters. But as I mentioned, the Grizzlies have had a lot of success recently through their bench unit shooting the three well. Gorgie Dang, Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, Tyus Jones has started to find his stroke a bit as well. And though the Pelicans have a few players like Lonzo Lonzo Ball who are finding their stroke, right now I would say pretty confidently that the the Grizzlies have more reliable shooting depth on their team than the Pelicans do. So if the Grizzlies are significantly defending the three better, and overall they're also shooting the three better due to their depth, an example of this is that so far this season, in terms of their bench units, the Grizzlies reserve units leads the NBA in both three-pointers made per game, or excuse me, they lead the NBA in three-point field goal percentage. Among NBA benches, the Grizzlies bench is shooting the best from three. 
Among NBA benches, the New Orleans Pelicans bench is shooting 28% from three. Or excuse me, 20, or it's 28th in the league from three. The Grizzlies are first in the league from threes. So that is a significant advantage for the Grizzlies. Not only do they defend the three better, but they also right now are shooting the three better as well. And with how good the Pelicans are, both on offense and defense, of being effective in the paint and being effective inside, the Grizzlies are really going to need to find their success tonight on the perimeter, both shooting and defending the three. That certainly has been something that's been there at times for Memphis, but they have to hope that their reserve units and hopefully either Dylan Brooks or Kyle Anderson can start to find their stroke from three. And if the Grizzlies can get 15 to 17 threes tonight on around 40% shooting, I think that really benefits their efforts. The other big thing, though, where the Grizzlies are at a bit of a disadvantage is when it comes to rebounds. And this is how the Pelicans are so good at creating opportunities for themselves while limiting opportunities for their opposition. Right now, the Pelicans are seventh in the league in defensive rebounding percentage. This was a this was as of um, uh, before last night's game. They were seventh in the re- they were seventh in the league in defensive rebounding position. Um, percentage and third in offensive rebounding percentage. This arguably is a top five rebounding team in the league. And it goes to show with, you know, talents like Jackson Hayes, Stephen Adams, Zion Williamson, it's no doubt as to why they're able to rebound so good. They've just got big bodies who know how to crash the boards. Well, the Grizzlies are going to have to find a lot of success boxing out because the thing is, is that Memphis, if they can start to shoot the three good, the way the Pelicans are going to try to get into the game, to still stay in the game, is gaining an overall lead in shot attempts and extra possessions through offensive rebounding. Thankfully, though, a way the Grizzlies can counter that is that New Orleans is right now 24th in the league in terms of turnovers being committed per game. And, of course, obviously the Grizzlies are the best team in the league when it comes to creating steals and it comes to creating turnovers. So I think that it's going to be a bit of a chess match tonight. Both teams have their ways in which they can limit the possessions of others and create extra possessions. It's through the rebounding of the Pelicans, and it's through the turnover um, creation of the Grizzlies. Whichever team is able to feature that strength of theirs more, if the if the whichever if the Grizzlies can get a bigger advantage in terms of extra possessions through their turnovers than the Pelicans do through rebounds, that's going to benefit the Grizzlies, and vice versa for the Pelicans. But with that being said, with whichever team can gain the biggest advantage of extra possessions to their strength, again, rebounding for the Pelicans, creating turnovers for the Grizzlies, it also is going to come down to which team can shoot the three better. And that's why I like the Grizzlies tonight. I think that the Pelicans are a bit more prone to negative consequences when it comes to shooting the three and turning the ball over than the Grizzlies are when it comes to defending the three and rebounding. I like the Grizzlies' chances tonight because I do think that they're going to have an easier time establishing their ability to shoot from outside, and I do think that they're also going to have an easier time exploiting the Pelicans' tendency to turn the ball over. Now, the only way that they're also going to be able to do that is if they do limit you know, uh, um, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson for having a big game. If those two wind up getting close to 55 to 60 points, and then you've got Ty, you've got um, Lonzo Ball or another player stepping up, that's going to make it hard for the Grizzlies to find a way to win. But I do think that in terms of how these teams are operating, some of the things that the Grizzlies are doing well right now 
does match up well against some of the things that the Pelicans are struggling with. And due to that, I think through turnover creation as well as shooting the ball, as well as shooting the three, and as long as the Grizzlies can really limit the Pelicans' ability to rebound, I, or especially on the offensive boards, I think the Grizzlies should find themselves in a good position to win. It'll certainly be an exciting game. It would be nice to get that to get this, you know, um, get off the schneid when it comes to this rivalry, where you know we saw the Pelicans, you know, have a you know had their way against the Grizzlies. They 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 found pretty good success against Memphis last year. It would be nice for that tide to turn this year and really get a needed division victory, you know, in a stretch where the Grizzlies right now are 2-1. and one. If the Grizzlies can go through the first five games of their schedule back from their hiatus, in which they had four division games in their first five games, and they can go three and four in those games, what a big boost that would be. Even though you got to expect Dallas and New Orleans to eventually right the ship, and it seems like the New Orleans may be starting to do that, having this stretch of winning three out of four division games in a week would be a big boost for the Grizzlies. Obviously, another big boost is having Jonas Valanciunas and Grayson Allen back. Both players will be back tonight, thankfully. That's needed size against a big team like New Orleans, and it's also an extra three-point shooter. So the addition of those two talents will be huge for Memphis tonight. It'll be an exciting game to see, and I hope you enjoy it. Again, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SEC, the podcast wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, the podcast app on your phone. It's always a pleasure joining you so please listen subscribe review let us know what you think of the show and please leave some comments there to let us know what you'd like to be discussed you can also dm myself or the show at any point in time we always want to make sure the content that we're providing is relevant to our listeners preferences hope that you have a great day hope that you have a great start to the weekend and hope the grizzlies are able to add to that positivity by getting a neat big win tonight we will be back tomorrow looking at the results of the game a bit of a nitty-gritty grind session not to preview a game or anything but more to review uh, the rivalry game against the pelicans a needed win tonight hopefully it will happen hope you have a great start to your weekend and we will talk to you again soon here on the locked on grizzlies podcast